You bet. All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. Our special guest is Allison Murden. Allison is a retired Canadian federal and provincial corrections officer and one of Canada's first medical marijuana patients in 1994. Allison, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for asking, Miguel. I'm having a pretty good day, my friend. Right on, right on. So corrections. Corrections is hard. That's hard. Yes. What, What led you to go into corrections? They have a lot of law enforcement in my family, Miguel, uh, starting with my grandfather, who was the chief of police in Toronto, Ontario years ago. Okay. And I have two cousins on the downtown Toronto drug squad. And I have family all across literally our nation who are in law enforcement, everything from, again, corrections to uh, Royal Canadian Mountain Police, Mounted Police to CSIS agents, which are CSIS is a Canadian Securities and Intelligence Service here in Canada, similar to the FBI in, in the U.S. Uh, and everything under the sun. I have law enforcement all through my family. Oh, wow. Okay. That is, you know, I'm, I'm meeting more people that have generational law enforcement or generational military or generational something. And, yes. and it's, it's, it always, I don't know. It just, it always strikes me as something that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, and I love to continue the lineage. I really do. I love to continue it in our family, especially because we all believe that there are right and wrong answers in this world. And a lot of us would like to see the right things done. Absolutely. And and we have to put trust in lawmakers and law enforcement officers to carry out those things. And, And it matters that we get people who care about people doing that. In law it enforcement, certainly does. On people who care about people in law enforcement, and you want people who care about people in elected and appointed positions. Absolutely. Again, funny enough, Miguel, just on that note for your listeners, I ran for federal office for Canada for the New Democratic Party in 2004 and more than doubled the votes because I had things like cannabis on my platform to make change in this country and the world. Now, I was going to ask you, 1994. You know, what was that like being a female corrections officer with a, a family tree of law enforcement? And all of a sudden, here, here's Allison. I'm a medical marijuana patient. You bet. Well, I think first and foremost, Miguel, which is wonderful about my family, is that they understood that I was literally suffering from the things I was dealing with regarding regarding multiple sclerosis. I was diagnosed with primary progressive multiple sclerosis when I was uh, 28 years old, back to the age of under 10 years old. So I knew all my life, yeah, that I'd had problems in my family, I think, had seen for themselves, things that was that were happening. I'm on my third electric wheelchair. Although I can get up and walk, I have no problem. I just tire really, really easily. So, and again, I take a lot of medications, Miguel. I'm looking at seven bottles sitting on my bed right here beside me. And those are what get me through the day when I don't have things like continuous amounts of cannabis or other medicines, natural medicines that I consume. So 
how did how did the doctors i mean you, you were a medical patient in 1994 were there i, I had I'd, I'd imagine there weren't too many cannabis doctors in 1994 right not at all, Miguel. In Canada, actually, uh, it was some, well, probably just like other places around the world, it was difficult to have a doctor even uh, talk about cannabis as exactly. medicine. That's, that's what I'm getting at. So I'm like, how did that even, how did this even happen for you in 1994, right? Hey, well, I'm a big troublemaker, Miguel. And I knew first two things. I knew one, that it was helping me and two, that it would help a lot of other people in this world. So I obviously have not stopped going out and talking since then. But in 1994, I sat down with my doctors very seriously, all of them. And I said, this is part of my medical regime. I am in charge of my medical health. And I want you to know that I'm consuming cannabis and I don't need you to agree with me. Oh, right on. And they were 100% on board. And this was didn't matter. Again? They were 100% on board. Who, who was they, they, though? The doctors. Okay. They realized right away that I took all of the legal responsibility off of them as soon as I said I was in charge of my health care and they were no longer. All they were doing was just writing down and saying, this is what Allison says helps her. And that's exactly how we did it, Miguel, from that day forward in Canada. So again, I would suggest, as I always do, if people are finding maybe their pills are not quite what they want, if they have health issues, then ultimately, again, there are other choices. So that actually requires some pretty brave doctors, too. I, sure I would, does. You know, and especially in 1994, when it's not so popular, you know, you don't have you don't have you don't have the popularity of the people behind you when you're making these decisions and people are taking their careers into their, into their hands when they make a decision like that in 1994. They sure are. But Miguel, one thing, my main doctor was from the Netherlands. And the first thing I asked my doctor straight out, I said, doctor, I said, well, marijuana hurt me. And she took one look at me and said, Allison, Mariana won't hurt you. And I said, good. I wouldn't hurt Mariana either. <laughs> so that's how we came. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that a lot. So what about I gotta ask, I gotta ask, because family. Did you yes. bump into that with family too? And like when when no, they're yeah. all they were all really they all understood. Well, well I have a story. I have a funny story actually. One of my cousins on the drug squad downtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada ended up uh, finding out about a family party that we were all at one night. And I happened to be smoking on the back porch. I was smoking cannabis and my family were smoking cigarettes and we were all drinking and we were having a party outdoor in the summer. And all of a sudden from the distance, we heard these sirens and a couple of people started to question that they were getting a little close. And I said, Oh, there must be something in the area. Well, it turned out within a few minutes they were in the driveway of my cousin's house and they were on the loudspeaker asking or saying, would Allison Murden come out with their hands up? And it was my cousin. He thought he was pretty funny. That is pretty <laughs> so good. All the neighbors <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So from that moment on, my family is from Newfoundland, half my family. 
and we're a lot of fun. We always find humor and everything. And that was one of the best moments of my life because my family was completely flabbergasted that all of a sudden somebody was in, you know, calling out over a loudspeaker for me to come out to be handcuffed. And there I was continuously, you know, as if nothing was a, a mess, smoking cannabis, laughing. <laughs> Because I knew that it was my cousins, cousins, but there were two of them in the dry, in the car. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So yeah. So Newfoundland, Newfoundland, huh? Newfoundland. Newfoundland, Newfoundland. Sorry. New, new, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. I can dig yeah. that. I actually have been to Nova Scotia. I've been to Nova Scotia once, or I'm sorry, uh, to Halifax. It's Halifax, Nova Scotia, and it was it's a beautiful area. Beautiful, beautiful. absolutely breathtaking. Wow, this is I'm I'm surprised. I'm, I'm I'm happily surprised. I'll put it this way: I'm happily surprised. Doctors didn't give you a hassle. Family didn't give you a hassle. That's great. So now, when you were you actually working in corrections while you're using cannabis medical marijuana? I was Miguel, but I didn't come forth and tell anybody about. I was working every day or every night I was doing my shifts and corrections and I was coming home and walking into my closet and smoking cannabis to get relief. And then I realized after a short time, why was I hiding it? And why was I going in my closet when all I was trying to do was feel better? Yeah. So I then ended up going to, uh, I ended, sorry, I ended up having a bad bout with my health. I ended up in the hospital and lost all feeling from the waist down and couldn't walk. And I decided because I knew from when I was young, when I consumed cannabis, that maybe I would put a little more cannabis into my medical regime. And before you knew it, I was up and walking again, which doctors told me I never would be. Amen. So I do walk again, but I'm in an electric wheelchair because again, I get tired really fast from the multiple sclerosis. So, and probably the cement pants I wear from all the morphine I take. <laughs> so yeah, I can understand that too. That's 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 a lot of heavy stuff. Hey, you know what? That's okay though. I tell everybody I don't really have MS. I am a mess. M E S S. That's good. That's good. So how did how did work? How did how did corrections take that? You know what? Excellent question, Miguel. Again, because again, I was dealing with a lot of people who were not for cannabis in any way. So remembering we're in law enforcement and hugely stigmatized everywhere. So as soon as I could, I started to educate people. I would stand up in court, for example. I was in court uh, roughly five, four or five days a week, every week with young offenders. And I would literally stand up in court and say, but your honor, as soon as the young offender was charged with trafficking or anything to do with drugs, I'd stand up beside the young offender and I'd say, but your honor, drugs are, uh, sorry, drugs are a health issue and do not belong in a court of law. And it ended up that every time the judge would slam his gavel down and I'd look around, he'd say, be quiet or I'll charge you with contempt of court. And every time I look around the courtroom, all the court officers and police officers, are winking, smiling, laughing. And I was like, that's all I wanted. Let's just start the conversation. Right on. Right on. So they allowed you to continue to work. And that's, this is what makes, this would make the whole story amazing. I mean, this is pretty. I did retire. I did retire in 1995. I got really sick in 1994. And then I retired completely in 1995 because, again, I wasn't able to walk at that point. Mm 
I was still coming back from my bad bout when I was hospitalized that particular time. So I've been hospitalized many times for my health, but that was probably my biggest hurdle that I had to overcome was trying to walk again. So now, now I got that's that that's you know it's really really it's really good to hear people that are are optimistic in the face of all these challenges, right? Because sometimes we we and we all we we all do this in our lives. We all sometimes make challenges for ourselves and complain about them. And sometimes when you hear a story like yours, it's like, wow. And Allison's like, yeah, I can still walk. I walk until I can't, until I can't. Bet. That's right. And that's a perspective, right? That is the way you choose to live. You choose to say, I'm going to do this until I can. Instead of just saying, you know what? I just think I'll just drive around in this thing all day long. You and bet. I never use it, right? You're using what you got. And that's, that's cool. Um, your voice, Allison. I know a lot of people are going to go, hmm, sounds like a smoker's voice. <laughs> you want to tell us about that? Sure do. Actually, funny story again, Miguel, and kind of on the line of what your whole podcast is about. I ended up uh, going down to Niagara Falls with my partner, Gary Lynch, for the day. It's about an hour and a half away from where I live. But I was having trouble breathing and I didn't understand. I thought it was, I have asthma or I did when I was younger before I started smoking cannabis and now poof, the asthma is gone. Cannabis helped the asthma, believe it or not. But I do, actually, anyway, I do believe it. So I went, I ended up, I was having problems breathing and we were down in Niagara Falls doing a touristy sort of day all day. And on the way home, I said to Gary, we were passing the hard, coming up to the hospital in Burlington. And I said, I just, you know, want to kind of stop in and see if maybe they'll give me an asthma inhaler so I can breathe a little easier. Well, before I knew it, they actually had me in emergency. I went into emergency and within half an hour, I was in ICU and scheduled for emergency throat surgery the next morning or the, because the next morning. And what, what was the issue? Your throat was constricting? Yes. You- I had a polyp. I'm actually also a musician. I taught guitar when I was young and I had a recording contract and I sang all over the area and they said I developed a polyp from singing and talking over the years that it completely blocked my esophagus, my, oh, wow. my throat from, so I wasn't able, I could breathe out, but I couldn't get anything, any area in. Oh, oh man. And I didn't realize, I thought that was asthma related, silly, because I'm dealing with so many issues. Yeah. So it's, it's good really thing I went. Yeah, it seems like that would make sense where. Anyway, so it was quite the eye opener. I was in ICU for four or five days. But the story that I was going to tell you was that uh, when I was in ICU, when I was at the hospital, uh, everything happened so fast. And they had taken me up to the ICU unit almost immediately after, I guess, doing some tests. And they told Gary that it didn't look like I was going to make it, that you know, if I did, if I even did survive, whatever this was, this, we didn't know at the time that it was a polyp on my throat, but whatever it was, they said that I got there just in time. And they said to Gary that if they could help me, they would do a tracheotomy and that I was always have a hole in my throat Mm. and wouldn't again, be able to talk properly. 
So this was two years ago, and I have been working hard with a vocal coach and everybody on back to try and get my voice back in action. But that night, I meant to tell you, Miguel, I was sitting in my ICU room on my bed, and I was very upset, and I was crying because I had just, you know, realized how serious everything was. I didn't know anything at this point. <clears throat> but anyway, I ended up sitting on my bed, and then all of a sudden, within seconds, I felt almost, it was an unbelievably magical giant hug. I just felt, and I saw everybody who had passed on literally in my room and everybody was hugging me at the same time. It was the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. When you said and everyone, you're thinking, was it family? When you're thinking everyone in family? Family, friends, yeah. everybody. Yeah. I love everybody, Miguel. Family. My icy room was packed with spirits of people, I swear to you. And they were all hugging me. And on that note, the reason I say this is because a good friend of mine is one of the top 10 psychics in the world. And he says that this hug is called the marshmallow hug in the Bible. And I'm not sure exactly where he got that from, but apparently it's when people are afraid uh, of something and it's a near death, I guess that's apparently what some people experience is what they call this marshmallow hug of everybody surrounding you, hugging you. Hmm. And I thought that was just beautiful. I never realized that. So now I know everybody was hugging me and I'm going to get better. <laughs> So that was, that was before the surgery or right after the surgery? That was just before the surgery. Okay. And then the surgery was successful. Successful. And, and you've been working to get your voice back. Now, what do you mean by when you say to get it back? What, what does that mean? What, what are you thinking of? Funny enough, again, I had a recording contract when I was young and I used to teach guitar for a number of years. So I thought for sure I was going to be a rock star, Miguel. And this was in my brain from when I was young. So I reconnected with a, a friend of mine that I used to teach with at a music store when I was younger for a number of years. And he's a vocal coach and he's been helping me try and work on not whispering, which is what I was doing originally, because nobody could hear me. But he said, no, try to again do other things. So I started to do things, exercises that he would give me to try and get my voice to come back. So, you tell so I'm working on it. So yeah. we're talking, you're kind of, are we talking about the strength of your voice? I think it's everything. According to my friend, he okay. just, he wants to make sure again, that I'm healthy enough to be able to speak, but also again, I do smoke cannabis, but it's not from the smoking. As you said, yeah. it's from the throat surgery that I have these issues. And I, you know, I can imagine I'd be thinking it too, if I was listening, I'd be like, Oh, wow. So that's why I want to bring it up, just to, yeah. just to clear the air on that one, you know? Most definitely, most definitely. So this this uh, this marshmallow hug, I've never heard of that. I've heard that term in the Bible. I haven't heard of that term in the Bible, but I do understand what you're talking about. I do okay. understand what you're talking about. And I'm curious to know if you were raised with a religion or philosophies or worldview. I, now, here the thing is, she and I chatted a little bit before the, the on the front end of this before we hit record. So I have a little bit of insight into this answer, but not a bunch. So, Allison, I'm, 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 I'm anxious to hear this. <laughs> actually, funny enough, Miguel, as I, we were saying earlier, I actually was brought up, my family was, we were raised to believe that we were not the only ones out there. 
And so we believe in everything from Bigfoot on back. UFOs, ghosts, you name it. We are not alone, my friend. And I've known that from birth. I've known that. Okay. Now that was something that both your parents agreed on and, and, and believed? 100%. Okay. Was there any type of faith system attached to it? Yes. Actually, I was raised in a Sunday school in the Protestant uh, United Church. I went to Sunday school, so we were raised with religious beliefs as well. But as I grew older, I ended up being more spiritual than religious. And I kind of took a turn down a path because my family is both. So I took a turn and I decided that maybe the two combined would be the best for someone like me. You know, Allison, <clears throat> let me ask you this. When you think of the difference between spiritual and religious, what do you think of? You know, I personally think religious religion in general, quote unquote, is more by the book, by the Bible and doing everything that the maker says or the creator says that how we should live our life. I feel spiritually we should know better and that we do have um, inside uh, information that maybe we can pull out of our brain somewhere that says, no, maybe this is something we should think about. And, and we, Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I've always been somebody, Miguel, who thinks outside of the box. So I don't think like most people within a parameter I actually think outside of that. I think what is out there? What, what more is there to explore? I get it. I get what you're saying. So when you say you're talking about, uh, then there's something else. There's inside information saying, look at this. Is that what you said? Look at this. Now, what is, yes. what, what do you, when you say this, what are you thinking of? Are you thinking of other worldviews, other religions, or what are you, what are you thinking of? Worldviews, basically, again, you know, I find uh, Miguel religion is very personal. Uh, religion, spirituality, I can't even say it, spirituality, whatever that word is. Thank you, spirituality. All right. I got you <laughs> covered. Uh, but I do find, again, we all have our own thoughts. And all I'm saying to people is that I just was, we were raised to be aware that there's much more out there than we actually could ever think of. Yeah. I was just curious because um, I was just curious what you're thinking of. Cause is, cause, um, cause I I was curious. <laughs> yes. We all, well, we all, again, I think we all think about these things and you bet. And uh I think it's good to think about them. I think it's great to talk about them because a lot of people can help a lot of other people and we can all, we can all come together. And, and even if we don't agree on everything, that's perfectly cool. We can still be cool. Exactly. We can agree to disagree, my friend. So you, you grew up believing in a, in a pretty amazing and supernatural world, right? I sure did. But not only that, but you also believe in extraterrestrial and, that, and a lot sure. of people, a lot of people, a lot of people are pushing that a lot. I mean, sure. especially in this 20th century, 21st century, rather, especially in this 21st century. Right. You bet. So, and you were also raised with Christianity. And before we start hit record, I mean, you said one of your parents was one for one coast of Canada. The other one's from the other coast and yes. in the middle and, and raised you in middle, in the middle. Where was that in the middle? 
actually grew up in Saskatchewan, Regina, Saskatchewan. I was born, but I now live in Ontario. So we kind of, we, I go back and forth from sort of Saskatchewan, Ontario. Ontario has been my home since I've been about 10 years old and I'm 58 big out. Mm -hmm. So for me, I find, again, I pulled everything from my mother's side of the family who were Quakers and go way back in history. And then my father's side of the family, who, again, being from Newfoundland, believed in things like the fairies that are in Newfoundland that are often spoken about. Uh, Bigfoot was something my mother always raised us to believe in and saying again that we were not alone, that we had to be aware that there were all of these other you know, entities out there, and we were sharing a world, we were sharing a universe. So and again, that's where I've always been. So I, uh, I just published a, uh, I just recently published an episode with a gentleman named Matthew Butt, who is a certified cannabis therapy educator, and also an RN. And he was telling me about psychedelic mushrooms going wild in Newfoundland. Yes. And I did not know that, but yeah. apparently they do. So have you, you've, you've experienced some of the same observations <laughs> about that? You know, again, I have. And again, family and friends have been very big on all these things. My dad, when he was alive, I lost my father in 1993 to a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. But when we were growing up, my dad used to always joke that he had magic mushrooms in his salad when he was young. <laughs> so all of those things, there was never anything again my family was very open to everything when I became a cannabis patient my mother who is 93 now just turned in February she still talks about how cannabis should be legal for everybody just like me <laughs> you know what I, I it's refreshing it's very refreshing <laughs> to hear your story it's very refreshing <laughs> to hear your story Allison yeah, okay so now if, if and I don't want to I don't want to try to put a label on anything but is there something that you would call your belief system? Do you have a name for it or something like, or, or some, you know what I mean? To an association to a, it sounds like maybe it's closely, closely associated to Christianity, but, but in his yes. thing, now this is the thing, this, when I say Christianity, I, a lot of people in my mind for a long time did too, that there's nothing really fantastical about this life. Cause that's kind of what you get at church. No. Men, too many churches, I should say. I don't want to say yes. across the board because that's not true. It's not true across the board. There are many good churches out there. There are many great churches out there. Yes. But there are also many churches that uh, that preach something that is not the new covenant. And that's kind of what I'm wondering. It's like, what, what, what are your, what are your beliefs about this life and the life after this life? You know what? I will guarantee you, Miguel, that this life is setting you up for your next life. I've always felt that way. And I feel that while we're here, we have a job to do. We all have something that we know we need to do. We've all sat there and said, why doesn't somebody bring this issue up? And I'm the type of person that said, I'm not going to wait for anybody else. I'm going to do it. So for me, again, the way I was raised, 
was again, not waiting for other people. I taught guitar at age 16 to age 20. I was captain of cheerleading, I modeled. I did everything I wanted to do. I told you I thought I was gonna be a rock star. And then my life took a turn when my health kind of changed. But ultimately it didn't stop me though, Miguel. And it certainly didn't upset me. That's why, again, I have my jokes that sustain me. I don't have MS. I am a mess, M-E-S-S. All of these things, I like to see you laugh at what I'm talking about only because then it helps me through, right? I don't want to look at my friends or my family and have them be upset because I'm digging at my face because the pain in my face is so violent. Or I don't want to have them see me or have, have them get upset seeing me in a wheelchair. You know, so I dance all the time when I'm in my electric wheelchairs. I dance everywhere. I'm known in this area for dancing. And I've had people stop me saying, you know, oh, now I know what dancing in a wheelchair is. My brother and his wife just signed up for lessons. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so Ooh. you can teach people, Miguel, it doesn't matter what you deal with. It does not matter. We all have our baggage to carry, whether it be emotional, physical, or uh, spiritual in that case. We all have baggage. Absolutely. So why not, again, why not lighten things up and have fun in life? You're only here for a short time. Absolutely. That's, that's, Amen. I say amen to that, Alice. Amen, it is. Amen. My <laughs>